0: I believe. And in his first time back, he did that guy dance across the stage type thing that I used to be able to do when I was 30 and 40. <laughs> uh, isn't it lovely growing older? Guys, isn't it lovely growing older? Girls, isn't it lovely growing older? You can think back to those things that you used to do when you were a certain age. And you can set a goal to do them again. Hey, if you are new here, it's fantastic having you here as part of the church. You probably already guessed that we like humor. We believe God is a good God who, who's always doing good things. He never, he's never in a bad mood. Don't know if you've ever thought of that. And it's all because of Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross. And the fact that God loves the world. And God is for us. And sometimes we're in such a state that we think, oh, flip. How could God love me? And then we find that he wakes us in the night or we wake and you can just turn straight to him and he's right there. Anyone find that? And you kind of go, God, I wouldn't love me because I know me. And yet I find you're still loving me. And that's what takes us deeper and deeper into obedience and just an awareness that actually we're safe. We are saved when we've given our lives to Jesus Christ. That heaven is our future, not hell. Both exist. Both are as real as the other. Can't have heaven without hell. Actually, I'm going to be preaching a bit on heaven next week. So... Make sure you're here. I'm going to start a start a series. It's um, it's amazing what the Bible says about heaven. This time last year, do you remember what I was preaching on? I was preaching about circling some of the things in our lives, and keeping on circling around like Jericho. Do you know one of the one of the um, young women in our church? She started circling a boyfriend <laughs> and a job. And now she's engaged and got the job. And I've heard so many good stories that have just come out of the fruit of that. That's Hayley Turner. She's just so excited with what's happening in her life. It's wonderful. God answers prayer. God is a good God. Well, we're at that stage of prayer week again, but I'm not going to actually preach on prayer. But I would would like to challenge us, and I think we've got some flyers. We have. And we're going to give these out to you um, now, so people will come around. We've, we've only printed enough for probably one per family, so, so don't, don't take them if you're part of a family, just one per family. Um, make sure someone in the family has it. Um, but what I'm really asking is that you would consider praying for love, Saint, love from St. Albans, which is going to be happening in about three weeks' time on the Saturday, the 23rd of February, and you really pray for that. And The other thing that I'd like to ask you to do is, would you be prepared to have at least two of your quiet times actually in the Māori area and just wander around and, and just think about the families and the houses that you're going past and just bless them, you know, just bless them with the presence of God and the power of God and God's will in their life because it's all about seeing that spiritual atmosphere change in people's lives. Now you can do that without walking, but I just encourage you to walk and pray what God puts on your, on your heart. We've got a prayer meeting for the next couple of weeks, but starting this week on at 9am, if, you, if you're, for some reason, you're not um, caught up in work at that time, come and we'll prayer walk. We're going to be prayer walking on Sunday night, uh, starting next Sunday at 6pm uh, uh, through to 7.30. Come and pr- let's prayer walk into that area and pray. And then there are at least two prayer meetings on... Well, there are two prayer meetings on Saturday that are happening at 9.30 a.m. in the morning. The information's all there. Um, 58 uh, Kelly's Road is where they're meeting and then heading off from there praying into that area. Have we got some people that would be willing to, to do that, to, to actually have some quiet times in the Marihau area? Can I, can I really encourage you to consider actually doing it? It, it will make a difference. You know, the cool thing about us doing, wanting to do this as a church, and I just want to say to you, there's no compulsion. You don't have to come and give of your time and effort on Saturday the 23rd. There's no compulsion at all. But the opportunity is there. We, we would love you to come and have a part in it. Because we've actually been working in the Murrayhau area for about 19 years as a trust. But do you know some of the people who were instrumental in setting this church up lived in that exact area, lived in Kelly's Road, lived in the streets that are there. But in the last 19 years, we've been focused as a trust into into that area, and so there are so many people in there who have been blessed already by the work of this church. And so we're just going to be building on top of that. But the cool thing is that if we all get behind it on Saturday the 23rd, it won't just be the professionals, the people that are paid to work in that area there, It'll be the Christians of St. Albans Baptist, just wanting to do something kind for the people in the area. And I I just would like to interview Alex for a moment or two, because Alex, would you mind coming? Uh, Because I just want to honor this man. Alex is doing what I don't think anyone else in the church would possibly be, be willing or able to do, and that is to come and say, let's do this. And I'll, I'll lead it. I'll take the responsibility for it so that it, can, so that it can actually happen. And the weight of that, believe me, is a lot. And so I want, I want us to get to know Alex a little bit um, because when we see, I, I guess I want Alex's heart to be seen. So Alex, tell us a little bit about yourself <laughs> and the biggest sort of picture, but maybe just start, how did you get saved?
1: Oh, can I first say, some mornings I wake up and I think, this is crazy, <laughs> why did I do this? Yeah. Um, I came from, John wants me to share a little bit about my testimony and, and what happened in my background. Um, I grew up in a non-Christian family in Dunedin, and when we were five, when I was five, Dad was a teacher, we shifted to Central Otago. And my parents were not Christians, and I was forced to go to Sunday school. And what I respected the people in the Sunday school, I actually didn't like it as, as a boy. I'd turn about horse riding and stuff like that. And then <coughs> when, we, when I turned 13, we shifted a Moz and so w- I could go to high school. And Dad said to me, he said, well, you can make your own choice now about whether you go to church or not. So I didn't. I, just, I, I didn't, wasn't involved with any church, never went to church for years and years and years. And uh, I got into hunting. And then I, I put myself through university. I got a commerce degree at Target University. Put myself through university with my commercial hunting. In those days, you could shoot deer and sell them. and You could make a lot of money. It was great. Still very. I was actually quite anti-Christian, um, quite aggressively anti-Christian. And then I met this girl. And, uh, <laughs> I know, it's, it's the end of many a good young man. But <laughs> um, Her father was a Presbyterian minister, and he was a straight up and down sort of guy. got converted under the Billy Graham ministry, and, um, and I used to go up to his place in Seddon. And we used to have these great big discussions and arguments. And anyway, he said to me, he said, oh, I'm going to give you a Bible. It was a, a, a little um, King James Version Schofield reference and he told me what time I'd read it two or three times I'd understand it and I just laughed at him. So anyway I took the Bible and at that time I'd just completed university and I I went commercially hunting instead of going as an accountant. I couldn't see myself as an accountant so I went commercially hunting in Fiordland and if Josh could put up the first slide. uh, We were hunting in these lakes down, there's a little lake down on the left of the circle called Lake Hakapua and there's another big lake called Lake Pitiriteri, which is about 40 k's long, two of the most beautiful places in New Zealand. Mm. And I was dumped in there um, commercially hunting and we and, um, chewed a whole lot of deer in there, We'd just get the plane in, take them out and so on and so on. And I spent weeks of my time in there. And one of the things I wanted to do was read the Bible while I was there. So I, I don't know, where, where do I start? So I thought, what well, is with any book? I was an avid reader. Um, you start at the start, so I started at Genesis, and, and read right through to about uh, Zephaniah, and then I got sick of the Old Testament, so I started the New Testament, and um, I had lots of time, like I spent six weeks in that hut by myself at one stage, a lot of times time to reflect, and God really started speaking to me during this time, and I, I wrote a diary, which I've still got, and I had in my hunting exploits, and also what, what things were happening at that time, so I spent a lot of time, I had, had some quite unusual experiences um, I almost got shot and I was saved by an audible voice um, I got canned out we got tipped over in a boat at the start of Fovo Strait and uh, if you've ever tried swimming with a life jacket and a swan dry, um, a swan dry is a heavy wooden over jacket you'll know what I mean so I did manage to make it to the shore otherwise I wouldn't be here now But (laughs) I was incredibly grateful for that. But I had some other unusual experiences happen that really challenged me about about God and where God was. And I'll tell you about this one because it's it's quite unusual. And it has to do with the transistor radio. Now, in those days, you get tiny little transistors like that. And I took this radio into the bush there. And I don't know why, because the reception there was absolutely useless. But occasionally, I discovered that I could pick up Australian radio stations. Just very occasionally, free transmission, I could pick up Australia. So, very occasionally, I'd I'd listen to Australia. And at the same time, I was reading the Bible. I remember I'd got up this particular bit, and I'd be reading these verses in the morning, and I turned on the radio at night, my little transistor, and I picked up this Australian radio station. And it was a Christian radio station. And they read exactly the same verses that I'd been reading in the morning. Now, you work out the chances of that happening. I mean, it just blew me away. And, and I had numbers of things happen like that. Well, anyway, one day, I just got... I, I came to a point in my life, my girlfriend decided that I wasn't the one. And looking back, it was a good idea. But, um, you know, it was puppy love. But for a puppy, it was, it was quite important. And I got really, really depressed. <laughs> Um, I like really, really depressed and I, I, you know, I was considering finishing it all I'll be honest with you because you know, I was in the most beautiful place in the world and having a job I loved doing and I was totally miserable and so I got down on my knees in the hut one day and I said, look, God, if you're real, come into my life and and that's all that happened and things started changing I had the foulest mouth imaginable my friends used to comment on it and that just changed, it just changed and people would say to me, what's happened to you and I said, well, I don't know and I'd be picking up hitchhikers and... Um, and tell them about Jesus, and then about three or four months later, i just discovered the concern evangelist said to me, "Have well, you actually become a Christian or a follow Jesus?" So I don't actually know what had happened. I just know that God had touched me, <laughs> and and it changed my life, and my whole direction changed. So I then had a desire to go to Bible college. So We ended up in Bible college um in Auckland for three years and you know from going from Fiordland to Bible College with this bunch of religious (laughs) nutters there it was quite a cultural shift for a guy like me and (laughs) yes I ended up in Wellington Central Baptist Church worked for them for three years in community ministry I then pastored Baptist churches for about 20 odd years married a lovely Christian girl we've got five kids and they're all going on with the Lord so that's just a very very canned version yeah of what's kind of happened in my yeah. life.
0: Yeah, there's some pretty amazing things. Really, it? really real, that beginning, though, way <laughs> eh, of Jesus, you giving your life to Jesus. Yeah, I change. just got down on my knees. I can still remember it. God, if you're real, come into my life. Hey, this this whole thing of um, coming and saying, we would love, you'd love to, I'd love to head up something called Love from St Albans, where we take the church out into the community. We'd actually been praying as an eldership for probably about a year, God, keep raising up, people with visions and dreams so that we're not the ones that are saying to people but people are coming and saying to us so when you said we'd love to do this we just got right behind it but what's motivating you in it i mean it's a huge task Uh,
1: what's motivating me is obviously what's happened in my life as a christian but also you know i look at my life now and i think well i've only got so many years left i want to use it wisely i want to use it in a way that is really important to the church i want to see the church grow um, I can only operate out of the giftings that I have, and I'm a visionary and, and I can see things, and, and I have a gift yeah. of leadership. So I uh, you know, put those together, and it's just out of my heart. I'd love to see the church to grow. I, I love seeing the church impact the community in a way that, that we're perhaps not doing. Um, and we can always do better, mm. you know? And mm. we're doing really well with what we're doing, but we can always do better. Yeah. And uh, I think, personally, I think the church in New Zealand has taken the back foot over the last few years, and I think we've got to be pro- more proactive. In terms of what we, what we do. And we need to look for different ways of doing evangelism effectively. So yeah. that's that's kind of what it
0: grew out great. of here. Yeah. Well, we're thrilled that, that that's yeah. come out of your heart. No, yeah, keep praying keep, for me. Keep, I appreciate keep it. Keep doing it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, last week um, you were seeking to motivate everyone. And there was a drama done. And, you know, the acting was great and things. But some people at the end of that drama were kind of put off. And, and one or two said, oh, maybe I won't be involved. Right what What can you help us to understand it <laughs> it's a really
1: good question um, the last thing we wanted to do was to upset people with the skit yeah it was it was a skit and it was designed to be kind of light hearted and uh, I understand that maybe people thought I was being a bit sexist, maybe talking to Tory and saying, "Well, you can do all the dishes and all the rest of it." And that's called spoof. It's it's a kind of humour, and unfortunately I so don't set think it up, people that? picked up on that. Okay. Um, and uh, as people who know me, that's the last thing I am. Yeah. And yeah. and so we, we just really wanted to bring the loves and Albans to people in a different kind of form, but with a bit of humour. And look, I'm just really
0: sorry that fell flat. So yeah, uh, That's cool. I'm sure there are a lot of people who are very motivated by what I'm Well, it, I hope they'll forgive had. me for us. <laughs> I'm sure they will. I'm sure yeah. they will. But it's good just to, to realise yeah. that... That humour aspect was yeah. coming in, but it yeah, maybe missed the mark somehow. Um, what would you love to see happen on the 23rd?
1: Yeah, it's a really great question. Um, I'd love to see people surprised by what God does and be really excited by their surprises and not only that have a lot of fun like really enjoy it yeah not be afraid but actually enjoy it and come back say wow i I couldn't believe that happened i'm excited and i'd also like it to ignite another fire a flame under the church so that's the start of something that you know so in a year's time we look back and we see the whole congregation filled and we're actually talking about planning another service Yeah. yeah that's what i'd love to love to see happen
0: be great Hey, can we thank this man for what he's seeking to do amongst us? Thank you, Alex. That's wonderful. Don, can you come up? Thanks for just staying out of the family's church this morning, just for this time. Um, We were praying into this during the week, and Don... um, You can stand or sit wherever you want, Don. Uh, And Don... (laughs) And Don um, suddenly left the room and came back with a whiteboard and started talking to us, and the thing that had prompted him was the word catalyst. So I'd like Don to just share what a catalyst is from a science perspective, because I want to use it a little bit, you'll see how it fits in in my sermon later.
2: Yeah, so uh, Sandra had been praying, and and she just used this word, and it was like John said, suddenly something went, I need need to explain this. Um, So Josh, can we have that first slide? Now I've If ever in your schooling history the word science ever made you go, (laughs) (laughs) please, this is is not about that, (laughs) okay? How a catalyst works. All right, so you've got energy on the up and down axis and time across that one. So when you put two chemicals together, for example, they're called the reactants. They already contain a certain amount of energy, but they don't always react together until you actually put a bit more energy in. So that's the reactants. Next slide. So what happens is in order for them to react together, you've got to put in some energy to make them work together. And that's called activation energy. Now, activation, I found that interesting because we've often talked in church about activation in terms of our gifts and our abilities and all those sorts of things. So that's the amount of energy. See where it goes up? And then it gets to a point where suddenly there's enough energy that they go boom and they work together. And then something else is made at the end. They release heaps of energy, which is why the graph goes down. And then, next slide, you make the products or you get an outcome. All right? Is that easy to understand? Excellent. Catalyst. What a catalyst does is it reduces the amount of energy you need to make the product or the outcome. The catalyst doesn't change what the reactants are or what the product's going to be. All it does... Is reduce that amount of energy in order to make the products. Now I was in thinking about that, I thought, you know, we think about the church and the trust. They're kind of like the reactants. Now not, not in a bad way. We're not reactive, we are the things that are in the mix. And in order for us to see an outcome, energy's gotta be put in. What is our outcome? And I, I think our outcome is to see people transformed. Yep. Now, transformation comes in a lot of different ways. There's spiritual, physical, emotional, mental, financial, relational. There's all sorts of ills that um, that we want to see happen in people's lives. And this is something that I think is, is really critical is, you know, sometimes we, and, and I sometimes get in this thought too, the church is responsible for the spiritual, and the trust is responsible for the non-spiritual. No! <laughs> it's all and everything across both of them. Yeah. I get opportunities when I'm talking to dads or various people in the community to say, hey, would you like me to pray for you? It, it doesn't remove me from doing the spiritual stuff, working in the trust. Um, so let's not get stuck on that idea that spiritual is only in the church environment. It's, it's everything and everywhere. So... In this diagram, it doesn't change the outcome. And I I believe that the love from St. Albans is the thing that's going to act like a catalyst. It doesn't change the fact that we've got the church and the trust. We're still under the same umbrella. They're all together. Energy does have to be put in for us to see people transformed. But a catalyst like St. Loves from St. Albans has the ability to lower the amount of energy required. You're not having to dream up a whole lot of individual things yourselves. Something's been dreamed up. That's the thing that's going to lower the amount of energy. We still put energy in, but the chance of getting a better, out, a good outcome, or product, if you're talking chemistry, is is that it's improved. Yeah, sure. right Thank you, Don. That's great. Hey, let me give a bit of a theological
0: explanation, um, and get us underway. Into the Bible. There are a number of famous passages in the Bible, that. Uh, especially in the New Testament, that evangelicals, which we would classify ourselves as, often explain in terms of what they don't mean. There are a number of famous passages in the Bible that evangelicals tend to explain as to what it does not mean. But very rarely get around to explaining what it does mean. Here's one of those passages in Matthew 25. But when the Son of Man comes in His glory, and all the angels with Him, He will sit upon his glorious throne, and all the nations will be gathered in his presence. And he will separate the people as a shepherd separates sheep from goats. And he will place the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. And then the king will say to those on his right, the sheep, Come, you are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. So it's talking about heaven. It's talking about heaven. It's talking about hell. It's talking about the time when judgment comes. Come, you who are blessed by my Father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me into your home. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then the righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you? Hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink, or a stranger and show you hospitality, or naked and give you clothing. When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it for the least of one of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it for me. Isn't it amazing? God is in the face of the poor and the people in trouble. Then the king will turn to those on the left. The ones that were described as goats, and say, Away with you, cursed ones, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. For I was hungry and you didn't feed me, I was thirsty and you didn't give me a drink, I was a stranger and you didn't invite me into your home, I was naked and you didn't give me any clothing, I was sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or strange or naked or sick or in prison and not help you? And he will answer, I tell you the truth, when you refuse to help the least of any of these brothers and sisters, you were refusing to help me. And they will go away into eternal punishment. Those are terrible words, aren't they? Eternal. But the righteous will go into eternal life. Now, this passage appears to be saying that salvation is earned by people's effort. The things we do to help the poor, the less fortunate, the lost, the prisoners, those who are destitute. If we do those things, we can earn our way to heaven, this passage seems to be saying. And earn our way into God's good books as if he's he's angry with us, but if we do enough good, he'll slowly start to smile. And that contradicts what Paul teaches about justification in Christ and by Christ alone and by faith in Christ alone. The Bible teaches that very clearly. That is the truth. We are justified by faith in Jesus, not by doing good things. It tells us that we can't earn our way. We can't be good enough. We can't do enough because God's standard is perfection for our entire life from the moment we pop out till we pop in perfection. James chapter 2 verse 10 says, for whoever keeps the whole law yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of the whole thing. The destination's hell. So Jesus needed to come because all humanity is locked within this box that absolutely no one can escape from. So Jesus needed to come and to die and to face all the punishment that we actually deserved. So he could pay for all the sin so that he would be able to forgive us. Because he'd have taken all the punishment that we deserved upon himself. And if we believe this by faith, this is the amazing thing. This is what Alex discovered. If we believe this by faith and trust Jesus for our safety and ask Him into our lives and to give us a new start, then we will become forgiven, we will become changed, we will become what is called a Christian. Justification by faith in Jesus is what Martin Luther discovered. The church had forgotten it for about a 1,000 years in, in in the 1500s. And usually we only reference that passage... To say, it's not actually teaching that works will get you saved and get you to heaven. But we don't often go on and explain what it is actually saying. Because it's still in the Bible and it does have a meaning. Clearly, Christians are supposed to do these things. Not to get saved, but as expressions of the change that's actually happened in our life. Alex said it really cool. He's picking up hitchhikers. He doesn't even know he's a Christian, but he's talking to them about Jesus and how they need to find salvation. He's changed on the inside. He's starting to live differently. And Jesus makes us turn from self-focused, selfish people to people who care about others. You see, if we're genuinely saved, then this is the outcome that we will, will get involved in doing exactly that. His love will swill around on the inside of us. Bible says His love is, is uh, spread, shed abroad in our hearts. And, and, you know, if this represents you and me, and this represents God's love, then God's poured a whole lot of His love into the very center of our lives. And we go about our life, actually I want a whole lot of Jesus' love. We go about our life, I want more than that, why don't we get as much as we can have? And we go about our lives and his love starts to swill around inside and suddenly we stop and then we're moving again and his love just does that. And sometimes we get it and we flick his love out on people so that they get to experience it. And sometimes it's really cool. I reckon you guys would like quite a bit of Jesus love. Just a little. And it's on the inside of us and it's swilling and it's changing us and it's transforming who we are and how we think and what we do. It's just an amazing thing, and it's supposed to bubble out. And it bubbles out in caring for prisoners and looking after poor people and feeding homeless people and doing stuff. And it wasn't there before. We weren't even thinking about what we can do. But after we become a Christian, if Jesus has really got a hold of us and we're starting to become mature, then this is what a Christian life is about. A Christian life is about loving on other people. Not just being taken up with ourselves. But this truth is incredibly challenging. Pop up the next slide. Because how many people have I actually fed? There's a growing number of beggars in New Zealand streets. And some of them are genuine. How many have I interacted with? How many have I fed? How much water have I given to people who are thirsty? And when people get stranded, have I opened my home, our home, and the extra beds that we've had in those homes to them? Have I clothed the destitute? Have I looked after sick people? How many prisoners have I helped? Who have I been there for that I've come into contact with a prisoner, and when they've come out of prison, they've come to me, and and I've actually helped them, and I've said, I will try to get you a job, and I've gone looking for jobs for them. How many people have I done that for? And if I'm honest with you, not many at all. You know, last year I was with an older Christian lady... I don't like using the word older because I'm getting that way too. (laughs) Just pop a slide up. And she was doing some of this stuff. In her 50s, she helped start a school for youth who were expelled from secondary school. And they started contacting these ones and advertising and bringing them in and working with them when the schools had all just said, no way, our doors are absolutely shut to you. And they helped them to get NCEA. And then they actively visit this group, actively visited local businesses to ask if they'd take students for job placement for an afternoon every week. And you know, some of those students worked so well in those job placements they actually got part-time and then full-time jobs. It was free labor at first, just an opportunity to experience a business. But because this lady I was talking to had gone around these businesses with her husband, many of these people actually got into full-time work. And now she's in her late 70s and she was so excited because she's retraining to become a chaplain in a hospital. And why is she doing this? Why wasn't she just growing her garden, which looks great, and her property looks great, and she's there with her husband who's not so well, and she's looking after him, but why would she want to drive into the hospital and do things? Because she's a lady who the love of God is still swilling around on the inside, and she knows that she wants to make a difference with every year, like Alex standing up here and saying, I'm getting older, and I want to make sure that every, every year and every, every month I'm making a difference in people's lives. And it's because they've been saved, genuinely saved, and they're growing mature. And so the love of God is spilling out onto other people. And opportunities to bless people and to say, love from Jesus, in some sort of way, are all around us. Yeah. But how many do we see? And how many do we actually respond to? I told you this. Um, a while ago, but I was driving home and it was raining and there was a guy um, walking to the airport, probably he had a pack on his back and it was starting to rain and he'd put the pack down and he st- getting a coat out and, and, he was, and I was driving thinking I should stop and offer him a lift to the airport. And I was still thinking about that as I turned into my driveway and parked the car. <laughs> you know, I was in Hanma a couple of years ago. And I had a brand new pair of board, board shorts that I really liked. They were given to me when I was at a surf competition, uh, watching it. And a friend was there, and he took me back into the area, and he gave me some of the merch. and And one of part of it was a. Uh, pair of board shorts that were stretch shorts that I really liked, and I was wearing them that day at Hanma, which I probably shouldn't have been, and uh, I I had a swim, and I went into into the changing rooms, and there were two men in there who were probably in their 30s, and they were both intellectually challenged, and one of them had been given a pair of kids togs, and this man in his 30s was trying to get into a pair of kids togs, and he was working really hard, and there was a lot to put in those togs. And, and, uh, and it just wasn't working. And he managed to get it up here, but he couldn't, get, you know, it was just impossible. And, but he didn't have any plan B. He was just intellectually challenged. And his task was to get it closed and walk out and have a swim. And in my mind, I'm just thinking, he's going to walk out and all of a sudden he's going to be naked because his pants are just going to go. Whoosh. And the Holy Spirit's speaking to me and saying, your pants would fit him. And I'm going, God, shh. (laughs) And I'm saying, God, these aren't old. I haven't worn them yet. I only give old stuff away. And you know, God, the Holy Spirit often doesn't reply when you say stupid things back to him like that. He just kind of gives you the look. (laughs) Well, I was getting that. And eventually I walked over to this guy and he's... And I said, I've used these and and they're good. Do you want to... Do you want them? And you can have them for a swim. And he took them. And I walked away just feeling so happy, knowing that I'd never see them again, but so happy. And it's because the love of God swirls around in our hearts. And those sort of opportunities, in whatever form they come, someone walking to the airport, someone at the TOGS, at Hanma, we don't have to go looking for these things. They're actually there where we can say love from Jesus to someone. But how many, how many times do we actually do it? See, we're not saved by doing these things. They actually just prove that what's happening, happened in our life is actually genuine. We've genuinely given our life to Jesus. We're no longer the owner of ourselves or what we have. It's his. And so he feels really comfortable to say, your togs will fit. <laughs> Let me give you another passage. Matthew 7. Not everyone who says to me, say says. Or says. Better go says. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But only the one who does, say does. 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 Only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many, that's a terrible word in this passage. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons? And in your name perform perform many miracles. Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Therefore, everyone who has heard these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man or woman who builds their house on the rock. There is only one place in this parable to build your house. The house on the sand collapsed, the house on the rock stood stood strong. It's another passage about faith and works, and the same principles apply but really do we go on to tell anything and to look into what it is actually teaching. But notice it says just saying, just using words to people is not enough. But the true Christian who has genuinely given their heart to Jesus Christ, genuinely saved, will end up doing what Jesus asks of them. It's kind of like the proof that our Christianity is real. We meant it when we said that to to the Lord. True Christianity starts by belief and confession in Jesus, but when it's real in your life, His love will motivate you into action and obedience. You'll be out there doing the stuff for other people. And look closer at this because this is really challenging because there are some who appear to be saved who will not be in heaven. That's what this teaches. They're even doing, even people who are doing supernatural stuff in Jesus' name. Jesus said, some won't get to heaven. That is incredibly challenging. Now, that passage is not saying that supernatural stuff is wrong. We should be involved in as much supernatural as we can. But supernatural is not the proof that our relationship with Jesus is genuine. God can honor his word because it's his word. Supernatural is no endorsement that our relationship with Jesus is real or that it's deep. And the Holy Spirit has no character level that we have to attain before he's willing to give us gifts. If we ask for them, we can have them. And the three things mentioned here, prophecy, deliverance, and miracles are all the result of a gift. They don't require an investment of our time and our energy, but feeding the hungry And clothing the naked, and visiting prisoners, and giving lodging to strangers, and giving hospitality to people who are actually broken, all require a substantial investment of our time and our finance, and possibly even our reputation. You know, I'm a Christian today partly because a Christian businessman not only told me about Jesus Christ in words. But he repeatedly paid for me to be able to event, uh, attend Christian events where there were dinners put on. And I ate a number of dinners at his expense, happily, and heard the gospel at the same time in an organization called Christian Businessmen's Fellowship, I think it was called. Someone who understands how words and deeds go together is this man here, Sam Chapman. If you know of Sam, give me a wave. He's actually famous around the world, this man. This man has had more influence, Christian influence on the mongrel mob in Auckland um, than anyone else I know of in our country. I met Sam when I was in Korea with him in 1995 and we roomed together and it was just a fun time. And one time we sat together and had a cup of tea and he told me a little bit of his journey up to that point and he said, he said, I, do you remember the Parnell Panther? And I said, yes, I do. And the Parnell Panther was a man who uh, had raped a lot of women in Parnell and he'd eventually been caught and charged on two, two counts of rape and one of seriously beating the woman up as well. And he had just been released from prison. And by chance, he'd met, Sam had met him. This man's just out of prison. He's got nowhere to go. So do you know what Sam did? (coughs) Come home. Come to our place. Come Come and stay in my house until we can find something for you and somewhere to live and some sort of job and things. And Sam said, here I am in Korea, and a man who is a convicted rapist is sleeping in the bedroom next to my young daughter. He says, hard really hard. It's hard when I'm living there with my wife and knowing that it's dark and everyone's asleep and what might happen on this night. But he said, it's really hard when you're in Korea. And that man who was convicted rapist is there. And the story has continued for 24 years. I wish I had time today. I'll do it another day just to tell you some of what has taken place. But the influence on the Mongol mob um, has been considerable from what Sam and others have been able to um, put up, just just uh, next slide. This is his daughter now, she works for Parenting Place and she's um, she was there I think speaking to Otara and uh, residents in Otara and saying actually the answer to the problems for whānau and, and uh, People in Otara isn't going to come from the government or from outside agencies. It's going to come from the grassroots, from you guys. And she was encouraging them with, with what it means to just accept people and to love people. And she's lived the story for these, all these years. And she's a woman of influence herself now. But just bring up some of the gang members. They're tough guys. I think I've got one more. Tough guys. Tough guys. And his, his uh, story has become world famous in actual fact. But the investment of Araha, the investment of time, the investment of finance and the investment of patience and the investment of trust was absolutely personal for Sam and Thelma Chaplin. And the results have come out of that are literally amazing. And the point is, when we invest ourselves personally into people's lives to bless them, the practical help becomes a catalyst and increases the impact of our words for Jesus Christ. Can I say that again? When we invest ourselves personally into people's lives to bless them with kindness, the practical help becomes a catalyst that increases the impact of our words about Jesus. See, Jesus has always intended that our words and our deeds together would be the way that we proclaim him. Put the next slide up, if you would. People can't know our heart and our faith and trust in Jesus till they see it outworked in our helping in their lives. It's all just words. But when you're there helping someone shift helping for the time that is for the for the thing that's needed then the aspect of the heart just comes across yeah. you know mike collins is looked upon as an absolute hero and a real friend and a real Christ, a true christian yeah. by someone who's just loosely associated with this church just this week the person stood shared this story with me and they were just just about crying as they told me the story but just the sense of I trust Mike, he's the real deal, came across. You see, Mike's been seeking to lead this person to the Lord, um, and he's done Alpha, the Alpha course with him um, uh, last year, but this person was attacked uh, in the new year, and he was punched and knocked out, and he said in the ambulance he was just coming in and out of consciousness, and he lives alone, and so he had no one to be able to call, so who does he call? He rings Mike. And he said, Mike was just immediately there at the hospital, and they took him home to their home, and they looked after him, and they fed him, and they cared for him, and they, he said, they just let me sleep in the chair for most of the day, and they wanted me to stay the night. They said, we've got beds, you can stay, we'll kick our son out, there's no problem, he can go somewhere else. And, and, but this person said, no, no, I want to go back to my own home. So, so Mike drove him to his home. And then he said to him, you, you've got to ring me or text me every day so um, till I know that you're okay. And that went on and on. And Mike's been going weekly to this person's place to do Bible studies with him. And this person looking at me goes, Mike is the real deal. He didn't know that because of this. He knew that because the words and the actions came together to totally impact his life. See, words and deeds together are powerful. Kim Button, she's not here today because her mum's come over from uh, Australia and Kim's showing her around uh, Christchurch. But she's gotten to know some of the toughest and hardest eggs, if you can put it that way, in the Mary Howe basket. You with me? She knows some people who know people. And midway last year, one of her coffee group at the, from the school was suddenly shifting. And so Kim thought, we've got to help this lady. And so several of, she invited several of these women, and they these rough diamonds and, and heart of gold people, and they offered to come and help. And Murdo and I offered to help too. And so on a Saturday morning, we did the, the work. It only took about a morning and it was done. And there was a whole lot of rubbish needing to be taken. And, and I said, hey, look, we'll, we'll take that to the tip. The church can pay for that. And the woman said, oh no, I can't, I can't. One of the ladies put a hand on her shoulder and she said, hey, let the bro do it. <laughs> It'll be fine. And she relented. And so we did. And I rang Paul, Paul Johnson. And I, and I said, Paul, can I borrow your trailer? We trust trailer wasn't there. And, and he said, oh yeah, it hasn't got a warrant. I said, don't worry, I won't tell anyone. <laughs> said, if there's a problem, I'll pay the ticket, but we just need to do this. And so he says, yeah, that's fine. And And, you know, the wonderful thing is that lady shifted to somewhere up north, but the ladies that were helping have been at icons with their kids. And the smiles and the warmth that's there from these ladies as you make eye contact with them is real. They've seen the genuine in Kim. They've seen the genuine in Murdo and hopefully in Me Too. It wasn't just words. It was words plus deeds. And that's what love from St. Albans is about. As simple as that. Alex has come up with some ideas on how to bless people, and we want to get teams into into many of those things. But let me just pause on that for a moment and say, Alex's ideas might not be the best ideas. We're all created in the image of God. Our God is a creative being. He just speaks and new things happen. New ideas come to pass you might have the best idea for how you could be involved. And we want to say, please do it. Yep. Please action that. And if you need some other people to be part of it, then do that too. What do you think you could do or we should do or the church should do or others should do? Or what do you think should be done to be able to be kind to people on, in that area on that day? You know the values that I see in this is that it sh- everything should be fun. It should be enjoyable. It should be meaningful. It should be new school and not old school. We're not looking for people to do stuff that's long gone and no longer makes an impact. We want we want to present things in a way that it's new school, and it we- needs to be stretching. You know, look, there's a chicken line out there in front of every single person. Some people couldn't do door knocking. For them, door knocking, the chicken line is over here. Well, we don't want you to do door knocking. You'd probably be terrible at it, (laughs) even if you did get your courage up. But back here, we're thinking, well, why not have a group that are doing a survey? In fact, put the next slide up, or a couple of slides up, if you would. Let's get to the one with the words. With these ideas, we're thinking of having a survey for the trust and saying, we've been working here. We want like, some people to go around and say, we've been working in this area for 19 years now. Have you heard of us and do you know the programs that, we're offer, off, uh, that we offer here? Have you used any of the programs that are here? But here's the real important question for the future. Even just to be able to ask, do you know of any community needs in this area that no one's meeting? Yeah, sure. And who knows what informa- fresh information might come out of that. And that's a chicken line for some who, they're not the evangelists out here, uh, but they can do this. And for other people, we're going to have a a bouncy castle and and a and a barbecue area in Mars Park in in Marihau, And we're going to set up there and, and have a great day with, with music so that it'll attract people. We want to have icons games hap- happening. We want, we're hoping to have practical helps team. Some of you would say, well, I don't want to knock on any doors or just meet people as, around their home, but I'd certainly be prepared to go and help clean up someone's section if it needs it. Yeah. You know, I'd love to do that. Um, and we hope to be able to tee up some of those beforehand so we know what we're dealing with. We're going to have um, uh, a car boot sale happening. There's going to be a clothing swap with, with um, a, a gazebo or two and tables and people can bring garments and, and take garments and swap them over. And, and these are things that Alex has actually organised already. But, you know, there are other things that could be done. What if we had a team... Who decided they wanted to wash as many cars as a blessing to people as they could in the morning on Saturday the 23rd? And they, how would you feel if you lived in that area and someone knocks on your door and says, hey, we're just trying to do, we're from the church, uh, we're wanting to love on this area, St. Albans Baptist Church, we want to love on this area, and we're wondering if you would like your car, car washed? <laughs> now, you, you might think, oh, I'm not going to invite you inside, but yeah, the car's pretty dirty. <laughs> that actually would be really cool. And all they have to do is have a bucket and a a few things and carry on. You know, what say you would say, now we're getting back, the chicken line's coming back a bit now, but what say you would say, look, I can't go out there doing that, but I know how to bake. And you decided, I'm going to bake four cakes because you're a great cake baker. And then you say, God, who do I deliver these to? And just go where you think God directs you and go and knock on the door and say, hi, we're from St. Albans Baptist. We're just wanting to do some kind things in this area here. And I just wondered whether you would be willing to receive a gift of a cake. How many people would slam the door on a person like that? How many would go, certainly. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You know, what say our kids had a card with something really nice written in it that says um, you're special, you matter as a, chi- as a person and the k- cards also had $5 in it. <laughs> and the thing was for the kids to go and see all the kids that come around the bouncy castle and to go up to them and say we just want to give you something to bless you. How many people think the kids that got the Five dollars would be pretty happy, <laughs> pretty, pretty excited. You know, that's something I would give four or five five dollar notes to. Is there anyone else here that thinks that's a, a really cool way for kids to be able to interact with other kids yeah. and would be willing to actually give a few five dollar notes just to allow us to do that for as many as there are, just to be able to bless, to give Araha yeah. to Afi, the people of Mariha? And if you couldn't stretch to actually being out in the community on that day, you might think, well, everyone's going to want to eat. I could be at the church here, and I could get the kitchen going so that people could come in at midday and have some food. Or maybe you think, um, I couldn't go out, but I, I would be prepared to pray. As long as anyone's out, out there, I'll, I'll just come here and I'll actually pray. You see, words and kind deeds are the most powerful proclamation. And it speaks hope. And we honestly don't know. There will be people out there who honestly, who just think God doesn't exist. He, he's completely um, unreal. But when they receive an act of kindness and a kind word and a smile, who knows whether it will spark a thought that starts them thinking, actually, maybe God is real. Maybe there is something in this. So as we close up, I'd like you to get into a small group of about five people and just have a bit of a chat. If you don't know folks around you, just say hello to them for a moment or two. But I'd like you to share ideas of what you think would be a really great way to love on our suburb on the 23rd. And if you come up with anything fresh and new, Um, Alex and Wendy are going to be out in the foyer and they'd love to to, um, hear what those ideas might be. And then in a little while, um, the team will come up and, and they'll close us out in song.